Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie and it's the last episode of 2020 so I'm super excited. I have Robert Collado on the show today and Rob is a Christian speaker and thought leader devoted to helping young adults create a deep and meaningful relationship with God. He speaks about young people being extremely lost and in search for fulfillment which is why he's made it his life mission to help the youth and young adults and he's pretty young himself but he's doing some incredible work and Rob talks about four spheres which is reach, influence, serve and empower and I'm sure this conversation is going to be pretty empowering, an empowering way to end 2020 and uh, a great conversation and I hope that you share this and um, it inspires and motivates friends and family just as much as it inspires and motivates you. Hey Rob, welcome to Unplug with Annie. Thanks for being part of this series. Hey Annie, thank you for having me. Um, it's so good to, to have you on uh, this specific series because it's all about purpose and I know that's like a subject which, which resonates with you and I'm sure you're going to have a lot to say about it. But first, tell us a little bit about your, your journey so far, um, how you got into speaking as well and a little bit about what you do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so first off, let me just say thank you so much for the invitation. Um, I love what you're doing. I love that you're always bringing on new people and different perspectives. And you're really creating this platform that gives a voice, you know, to people from all different walks of life. And, and I absolutely love that. Um, as for me, uh, you know, my name is Rob Collado. I am Dominican, Costa Rican. Um, I come from a missionary family. My dad and my mom, they would travel all over, you know, Central America, uh, while I was growing up. And um, my perspective when it comes to purpose is really that purpose is fluid, very similar to water. Um, and we'll get into that in just a bit. Okay, amazing, amazing. So you focus on um, young adults and the youth. Um, in your experience so far, because obviously you, you probably interact uh, mostly with, with that age group as well, do you feel like there's there's a not a common reciting theme, but like something which keeps coming up or, or a few things which keep coming up um, as like a main, as a main thing that they particularly struggle with. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to be honest, that one of the cool things is, I'm, you know, I'm 21 years old, so I kind of fit into that criteria. So what I usually like to say is what we struggle with, what we're going through. Right. Um, so what I like to focus on is kind of being a voice for things that young people like myself are going through that we don't exactly want to speak about. Um, and there are a couple of things, you know, besides the mental health issue, because that's obviously a very big thing right now. Um, some of the things that I've noticed is there's lots of shame. I mostly work with Christian youth. There's lots of shame. There's lots, lots of restlessness. Uh, there's lots of hopelessness, but more specifically, there's a lot of indifference. And what I mean by indifference is there's a lot of young people um, who do not care about what's going on in the world or don't care about what happens in their life. It's almost like a state of apathy, right? Where things are happening around them or, you know, they're failing in, in their classes or, uh, you know, their family is going through, through financial issues. And the best way for them to deal with their problems is to lock themselves in the room, you know, go on YouTube and just waste their time away on social media. And uh, I mean, I, I read a study once that if you take the time that young adults spend on just social media scrolling through Instagram, you know, over a, a period of time, it'll amount to over half a year. 
with just time spent scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And the problem is that a lot of this time scrolling is actually spent comparing yourself to what you're watching. So mm-hmm. it's not a good uh, mental spot to be in, you know, but, but I'd say those are the major things that I've, that I've noticed uh, working with young people. And how, how have you able to, you know, empower them and, and, and see beyond all of these, um, the, the, you know, these stresses that they're dealing with, is there a way that you specifically find really impacts them by, by what you're able to teach or talk about? Yeah, definitely. Um, and in a bit, I actually want to ask you the same question because I know you're, you work in a similar uh, landscape. It's a little bit different. Um, but I, I had the privilege of working with uh, Gerard, Gerard Adams um, for a couple of years. Gerard Adams, he's, he's known as the millennial mentor. This guy is out there he's incredible he's super talented but he's very passionate about leadership and what he taught me is that real leaders create leaders and the best way to combat apathy is to give them something to care about Um, and when you are in a position of leadership the way you can do that is by helping others become leaders as well by giving them responsibility so i'm very active in my church um and i'm a seventh day adventist so my church has a lot of different um you know, uh, social structures. And one of those big social structures is the Adventist youth program. Uh, so within the Adventist youth program, one of the things that we're always trying to do is uh, find young people within their churches that are kind of quiet or reserved, but we know they have so much power and potential within them. And we come to them and we're like, Hey, do you want to lead the program, you know, next Sabbath or, Hey, you know what? You would be great having the introduction. You should go on stage and just introduce people, you know, or things like that. Or even, even nowadays with social media, Hey, I noticed, you know, the post that you created on your Instagram, I thought, I thought that was amazing, super talented. Could you do something like that for us? You know, just when you start giving these people responsibility and these young adults positions of power and influence, or you tell them, Hey, own it, take charge of this. You, you do what you got to do. You start to notice they start kind of pulling away from the state of apathy and then they start caring. Um, a couple of years ago, I had the privilege of uh, being a Pathfinder director. Pathfinders is very similar to Boy Scouts. It was kind of like a little club. We'd go camping and go outdoors. And there was this young man by the name of James. And James was, I mean, he hated Pathfinders. You know, you'd always find him sitting down in the corner with like his arms, like I'm too cool for this, you know, kind of leaning back. And um, I remember coming up to him and I asked him, hey, James, you're really good at marching. You know, we do like a couple of marching exercises here and there. And I told him, how would you like to be in charge of the color guards? He said, me, I, you know, I, I have no time for that. I, I got to go to school. I'm studying. I, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, no, you'd be great. Like, let's, let's design a uniform. Let's come up with the insignia. You can come up with the name for your color guards. And this kid owned it. I mean, he would be there, you know, Sunday morning, Saturday mornings. He was drilling the kids outside. They came up with awesome routines. Um, but yeah, I mean, to answer the question, I think the best way to deal with hopelessness, restlessness, and apathy is responsibility. And the way that you give young people responsibility is by showing them that they can be leaders instead of being followers. Yeah, that's so good. I think definitely leading by example, that, that's so powerful. Um, it, it's become really difficult at this point of time. I know you mentioned mental health as well, but um, labeling people has just become so easy along with judging them. And obviously there's this element of like self-fulfilling prophecy where you start to believe the labels that you know, you've been given. 
Um, and, and a lot of people just feel like they have no purpose or they're just unsure about what their purpose is. Sometimes a, a lot of people that I've been speaking to, you know, people say like purpose is, is who you are. Um, what is your take on that? What is purpose for you? And for those seeking purpose, how, how and where would they find that in, in your opinion? Yeah. And before we even you know, get to that, um, is it okay if I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. How did you decide to become an actress or why did you decide to, to become an actress? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it was just um, initially I was I was honestly very underconfident as a child. But um, there was this element of in performance having to forget like who I was and taking, um, I suppose I just not being so conscious about who I was and just kind of really enjoying the craft. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with that process and also just just the learning and just being very inspired by other people who who performed and um, I suppose just that 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 feeling and that drive I used to get to do to, to do acting or to participate in a play or um, it just gave me so much joy so that was something which um, which I guess inspired me to pursue it I love that so for you it was um the ability to become somebody else and embody this person's persona that kind of attracted you to it, would you say? Yeah, 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 for sure. Now, how does being an actress tie into what your purpose is? I think, you know, this is, this is a really good question because um, for the longest time I would compartmentalize it. Mm. I would feel like this is my selfish purpose. I used to pray as a young kid and used to just be like, God, just like grant me this selfish purpose because I know my real purpose is to serve people and give back. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I would say I kind of lost that in between, you know, but the last couple of years, I just feel like I've realized that actually even through the arts, like it's, it's, it's a gifting. And I just feel like actually regardless of your gifting, you can serve or you can at least impact people. Um, so what I've realized is actually, even if it is just acting and it seems like it's um, sort of the selfish ambition or it seems self-centered in some way, actually you just, you, you never know who you're going to be interacting with or working with or impacting. And I think when I've kind of changed the narrative for it, I, it, that's been really empowering because I've realized that actually we shouldn't even take any small job for granted. We should, um, you know, I think there's like a, that famous saying as well, like if you're sweeping the floor, do it with everything you've got, you know, because you just, that, that, that could be your purpose to sweep that floor and, and be the best at it. Um, so I see it like that now, if that answers the question. No, absolutely. And to be honest, I actually think you're in one of the most powerful positions currently, you know, at this time, because you're technically a visual storyteller, you know, um, for example, politicians die all the time. And they don't have nearly the impact that a powerful visual, you know, storyteller and actor has on the community. For example, yesterday, you know, we heard that Chadwick Boseman passed away and, um, yeah. and the community is hurting, you know, because he was able to embody not just an amazing, um, you know, character, but also embody this set of ideals, you know, for an entire community. And, and he became a symbol, a powerful symbol, you know, King T'Challa, like, Wakanda all the way. And, um, you know, I think where you are right now and what you're doing as an actress 
has so, so much power because you are able to touch people in a way that speakers, politicians, you know, professors and teachers never can. And that's by being a visual storyteller. You know, you embody something that they could never embody and they experience the story through your expressions and your emotions. And um, yeah, I think, I think where you are right now, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful place to be. Maybe in another life, I'd, I'd be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. I, oh my God. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, the work that you do. Really yeah. Is. No, thank you. Um, thanks, for, thanks for turning the, the table on me and getting me to answer a question. Um, so so you, do you believe purpose is ultimately tied to the, the work that we do then? Would you say that? Actually, I don't. And um, let me explain what I mean by that. What I believe our purpose is as humans, it really comes down to two things. Love God and love your neighbor. That's what I believe, right? Love God and love your neighbor. Um, now, what you do as a career, it's entirely up to you. And I think that's the gift that God gives us, right? The freedom of choice, where you can choose to do whatever you want to do. If you want to be an actress today and a carpenter tomorrow, all power to you. You know, mm-hmm. but what happens is throughout our journeys in our life, as long as we're fulfilling those two, you know, pillars, you know, loving God and, and loving our neighbors, then we are fulfilling our purpose on earth. Um, and I think that kind of gives us so much more freedom and almost in a way allows us to breathe. Right. Uh, because as young people, one of our, our biggest stressors is I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in life. You know, and because of that, we enter this uh, paralysis of analysis where we're just constantly hoping for what's the right thing to do, but the right thing never comes. And then we're 40, 50, 60, and the right thing never came. And, you know, we just spent an entire life waiting for the right thing to come along. And Gary Vee says it best, you know, try things, try over and over and over again. There's no such thing, in my opinion, as purpose. Um, I think there is career options and there are choices and there are passions, right. That you can follow and pursue and interest. Uh, but I think when it comes down to purpose, like the reason why you exist, the reason why you're here, um, it really only comes down to loving God and loving your neighbor. Um, and there's a story in the Bible that illustrates something very similar. Um, have you heard of Jacob? The story yes, of Jacob? Yes, yes, yes. But for the listeners, like, yeah, definitely, like, you can, you can delve into that a little bit more. Yeah, I, was, I promise I'll keep it as short as possible. Sure, sure. <laughs> but there's a story with, um, in, in the book of Genesis where Jacob, um, you know, he's born to, to um, his father Isaac and his mother Rebecca, and he's born with a twin. His twin's name is Esau. Um, and Esau was this big, strong, burly man. You know, he was super hairy. He was always outside hunting and, and, and throwing rocks and lifting stones or whatnot. And Jacob was always at home next to his mother's boss, you know, helping her cook and clean. He was a very delicate young man. And um, there was this promise that God had made Rebecca that the younger son would be on top of the older son. He would rule the older son. And Esau always had this in, in the back of his mind. He was always like, no, you know what? My little brother on top of me, no way, never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, this one day Esau comes home. Okay. And he's, he's extremely, extremely hungry. He, he, he spent the entire day working. Um, and Jacob comes up to him and says, Hey, bro, you hungry? And he's like, yeah, I'm starving. Give me something to eat. And Jacob had been cooking this pot of lentil soup. Right. And uh, Esau comes up to him and, and, and they're sitting down together. And Jacob says, I will give you a bit of my lentil soup if you sell me your inheritance. Okay, and back then, inheritance was a very big deal. It always went to the eldest son, right? 
So Isa, um, you know, not thinking straight, super hungry. He says, yeah, whatever, you can have it, little bro. And, and he, you know, takes down the food and eats it all. And then later he realizes the grave mistake he had made. Long story short, because of, of Jacob's way of trying to get things his own way, right? He, he was constantly lying. And then later on, he, he lied to his father and, you know, to get his father's blessing. So all of, all of those lies cost him so much heartache and pain. But then at the end of the day, God's promise for him was still fulfilled, you know? So it really comes down to um, it doesn't matter what we do in life. One way or another, God's still going to have his way with us, you know? Mm-hmm maybe might cheat or lie or steal or we'll make wrong decisions or we'll mess up at the end of the day, you know, our, our, our purpose or, or where God wants us to be will still be fulfilled one way or another. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for sharing that story. Um, Was there something specific to you growing up? Because I know faith is is such a big thing and it obviously impacts your life and the way you live your life and decisions you make. And was there a period at all? Were you always, was faith always like the center? Was it always your foundation? I mean, you're still so young, but was there a period where that wasn't there that you can compare it to and as to how different that was not having this strong foundation in your life? Or was there any experience where your faith was really shaken and therefore, you know, your approach to things was, was, was so different? Yeah. Um, so I like to think that my life since I was little has been, a faith training ground. Um, you know, we grew up in El Salvador um, and my dad was a pastor there. We came to the United States without him even having a job prospect. And what my dad would do is he would go around selling Bibles door to door. <laughs> That's how he would provide for our family. And I remember there were, there were times where we did not know where the next meal was going to come from or how we were going to pay rent. But one way or another, God always provided. Uh, but the biggest test to my faith actually happened in 2017. Um, I lost my mom to breast cancer. And uh, while she was laying, you know, on her deathbed, uh, we were, the whole family was gathered together. It was actually the last one to say goodbye to her. And I just remember coming up to her here and, you know, I said, mom, I'll see you by the river. Um, And then she passed away. And I remember, you know, a couple of days after was really when it hit me, what had just happened that I had lost, you know, the woman who had loved me more than anything, you know, on, on, planet earth um and i started to kind of go down this rabbit hole of trying to discover who god was and what god was and if god was even real and to be honest with you annie i experimented with a lot of things a lot of different faiths Um, i experimented with new age spirituality i experimented with buddhism you know i went down the philosophy rabbit hole i went down the universe and and you know life rabbit hole and and uh, spirituality Um, And at the end of the day, what I came to realize is that me losing my mom was what I needed in my life to come to know Jesus at a personal level. And um, what I discovered is that it doesn't matter what faith you look for. There's only one faith that promises a personal relationship with someone. And to me, relationships are super important, you know, and that's, that's Christianity Uh, for me, that that's Jesus. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's that I'd say that was the, the biggest test to my faith that I've had to date was just losing her and learning to kind of come back from that, you know, if you will. Mm, yeah, that's really, that's really powerful. It's so interesting that um, I've spoken to a lot of people who have had a very personal relationship with, with, with God and faith from a very young age, but it, it seems like 
eventually, you know, they, they have that period where they kind of go off and are just like lost and, and don't know what to do, only to find that personal relationship again that you spoke about. So that's really powerful. Yeah, um, it's the crucible, you know, it's like the crucible of our faith. Um, you cannot say you know Jesus unless you go through the fire and he helps you through it. You know, you yeah. can't say you have a close relationship with God unless you go through something difficult and then, you, you know, he helps you through it. Um, otherwise, you're just, you're shooting arrows at the sun, you know. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. I, I feel like when I always talk about faith, like I can't talk about it without talking about surrender to a certain degree. Um, because, uh, yeah, as we know, plans constantly change. And as 2020 has definitely shown us that through a pandemic, we can't be certain about anything. Um, has, has that been something which has been difficult or challenging for you personally? Because uh, just this idea of making your own plans versus wanting God's plan for your life. Because obviously they can look very different. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what would your experience be with surrender? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Surrender. I think that's something that we struggle with most as human beings, right? Because we just love being in control our surroundings right it's almost like our ego comes out and, and we just want to be in, in a power position because we don't want anything happening to us uh you know that that we're not in control over um so yeah surrender has definitely been something that's uh, been challenging for me um and to kind of illustrate that point um in 2018 i got invited to speak at this pathfinder campery there were you know around 900 a thousand people there um and i was going to speak for the whole weekend Funny thing is, a couple of weeks before, I had still been wrestling with God. Like, God, are you even real? Like, you know, who are you? I was still going through, through that challenging time in my faith. And I remember um, when the pastor reached out to me, he's like, hey, we want you to preach. I, was, I just remember sitting down in my bed and looking up at heaven and being like, God, why me? You know, I'm the last person you should be asking to, to speak in front of these people. I don't even know if you're real and you're giving me this opportunity. Why are you doing this? Um, and I decided, all right, I'm going to test you, Lord. You know, um, I'm going to see if you actually want me to do this and if you're actually real. I want to see if you're actually calling me to serve you in this way, in this capacity, you know, as a Christian speaker. And um, I remember turning off my phone you know, leading up to that weekend, and I had one prayer in my heart. I said, Lord, if it is your calling for me you know, to serve you with my life and become a speaker, you know, a Christian speaker and, and evangelist, and I want you to give me at least one baptism Saturday morning. That was my prayer. You know, give me one baptism Saturday morning when I make the altar call. And um, I remember I was sitting down in, in this room because the place where, where the speaking was happening, it was like at a, at a campus, at a high school campus, and there were dorms. Um, and I was sitting in one of the dorms, and I was just sitting down on, on, on the floor. And I came across this verse in Isaiah chapter 43, and it says, you haven't been paying attention I will pour out my spirit like living waters. Forget mm. the old things. The new things have come, on, have come along. And I remember reading that and I just got chills. I'm getting chills right now thinking about <laughs> it. I got chills running down my back and I was like, Lord, I've, I've had this all wrong. This whole time I was trying to think about what I was going to do instead of what you were going to do. And I was like, all right, Jesus, take the wheel. And Annie, to tell you the truth, when I walked out on that stage that night, it was like Rob had literally died. You know, and, and I was saying things and preaching and speaking in a way that I had never spoken before. And then that Saturday morning when I made the altar call, 22 young people came up and gave their lives to God. And, 
that was like, you know, like a sign in my face. Like God was just holding up a billboard and saying, Rob, this is what I want you to do. You know, this is what I'm calling you uh, to do. But going back to the whole surrender thing, had I not surrendered myself to Jesus while I was, you know, in that room waiting to, to go up on stage to preach, and had I just gone out there saying, like, I'm going to do this for me and I'm just going to do things my own way, you know, I would have I failed miserably and terrible, mm-hmm. terribly. And I think surrender is something that happens every day on a daily basis, you know, from you're driving down the, the freeway and somebody cuts you off. You have two choices. You know, you could either curse them out and honk or you can just, you know, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe their wife is pregnant and they got to go to the hospital. You never know, you know, and just kind of go on with your day and not allow things like that to affect you or impact your mood. So I think surrender is something that we struggle with constantly, but it's very, very important. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, definitely, I can completely relate to that on so many levels. Um, What do you think? I know you mentioned leadership, and you've obviously uh, been mentored by Gerard for for some time as well, and he's big on leadership. What what qualities do you feel are integral to, to being a good leader? And obviously, everyone can lead in different capacities and in different places of work, um, or in life for that matter. But what do you think truly makes a, a great leader? Vision. I think vision is what makes a good leader. Um, and I saw this with Gerard and also a lot of the mentors that I have is the capacity to see things in people um, that they're not able to see within themselves, you know, and empowering them to see that within themselves as well. Um, I think that's one of the things that makes a great leader. Um, then I also think that the way that you become a great leader yourself is by practicing something that I called RISE, R-I-S-E, which is reach, influence, serve, empower. Um, and this is something that kind of came across, you know, this year while I was just kind of looking at everything that was happening. And I was like, wait, hold on. You know, we can't stay sitting down. Yeah, we're being quarantined, but we can't stay sitting down. We have to actually act. Um, and the reach portion of that is you need to connect with someone personally. And Jesus would do this constantly, you know, whenever he came to Galilee or whenever he, he was going to heal somebody before he even did anything, he would reach into them, you know, by staring into their eyes, by touching them when nobody would touch them, by talking to them when nobody would speak to them, you reach, you influence someone by your character. And this is something you said at the beginning, you know, it's, you got to live what you preach. If you don't live what you preach, then you're doing something wrong. Right. So you influence by your character and who you are. Um, And then service is really where leadership comes into play. You know, at the end of the day, a leader is just a glorified servant. (laughs) As a leader, what you're really focusing on, is not about telling people what to do. It's about empowering people to do things the way that they can do things best. Right. And then finally, it's empower, reach, influence, serve, empower. Um, And you empower people by putting them in positions of power and supporting them in those positions so they can you know, further excel and succeed and showing them how to do the same thing over and, and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's so good. I feel like another thing people really struggle with is, um, you, you know, people who do believe in God and even people who don't believe in God, but just want to get more aligned or find their center. And obviously prayer is hugely powerful. Um, and obviously knowing who you're praying to is more powerful for right. sure. But, but when someone's not new to, when prayer is a new thing for people, um, how, how uh, you know, I sometimes get questions which is in regards to prayer, which is just like, I don't know how to do it right. You know, I don't know how to, um, 
how do I know what to say? How do I, you know, what do I do? Does it have to be a, and it can so easily become like a work thing, right? Like that we're, we're striving, like, and then it becomes like this box that we have to tick. And if we don't do it, oh my God, like, you know, I'm missing something. And it's like, you know, how do we, how do we, yeah, definitely strike that balance between um, something like prayer or worship or you know just acknowledging God and his goodness but just making sure that it just doesn't become like a, a work thing that we're striving to do yeah oh wow I mean that's on, that's honestly a great question because um, at least as Christians I know a lot of times we kind of fall into that that uh, loophole where we think following God is a burden right it's like oh I haven't read my Bible today or oh I haven't prayed today oh my goodness, I forgot to play Christian worship music on my way to work. I'm such a bad person, right? Um, but I think prayer is very similar to having a friend, right? Like, for example, you comment on your friend's post, you swipe up on their story. It's like, oh, I love this. I hope you're doing okay. Or like you send the, you know, the laughing emoji or the heart emoji. And I think prayer should be very similar where you're going through your day and something happens that kind of knocks you off your feet. You take a moment and you just say, God, I don't know what just happened, but I'm going to need an extra ounce of your help today, you know? And it's just constantly thinking in the back of your mind that God is there, you know, and you address him as if he were there with you constantly. Um, now, I know, I know you have a lot of listeners who aren't Christian or who don't necessarily believe in anything, and that's totally fine. You know, I think everybody has a personal journey that they have to go through um, and discovering what you believe in. And to be honest, at the end of the day, it really comes down to um, who you are and also what you believe about yourself. And I think that's very, very important. You know, it's who are you? Um, and for me personally, God has been a big part of that and he's part of my identity. But I think everybody should take some time to discover who they really are and mm -hmm. what they believe in, you know, because from belief comes identity and identity kind of helps you discover what your specific purpose is even if your purpose is fluid and moving yeah no that's such a great question about who are you because I, I feel like a lot of the times we link that to our to our identity and like outside validation in terms of our job title um, a lot of people like when we ask what what you do you know we ask what you do to people all the time and it's always like your, your, your job title what you do for work and I think that just becomes so much of who you are that without that you're just a bit like I I actually don't know you know who I am do you ever struggle with that like with you know yeah. when somebody asks, like are you who are you do you immediately go with like oh I'm an actress like yeah I do to be honest but like off late I've just been thinking a lot about that I've kind of just been yeah. marinating on that thought like oh like I wonder if I just said human being what that person would think right <laughs> <laughs> I think that's honestly a great answer to it too. Is like, Corey, I'm a human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I read somewhere that someone did create a business card once, and that's exactly what they put on there. And it just kind of like took people like aback, like, what is this? Um, so I find that so interesting. But just as the last question that I do, I do want to ask you, going a little bit back to purpose, is just that I know you spoke about that moment before you surrendered. Um, and, you know, giving that to God and handing that to, to God uh, in terms of guiding you as to what you were supposed to do with your life. Prior to that moment, were you, would you say that you were still pursuing this as, um, 
as something that you would want to do full time or was there other interests you had beforehand? Um, how did, how were you led into speaking and, and was it, was it pretty much a, a given considering you were, you bought, you were bought, born and brought up in the faith or what was that like for you? Yeah. So I actually used to hate uh, speaking. I hated it. Um, I started speaking when I was seven years old and the way my dad would do it, he would write full fledged sermons <laughs> and he would give them to me. And he said, I booked the speaking gig for you at a church. And I'd be like, what that? I don't want to preach. Like, I'm so scared. And I remember the first time I actually spoke at a church, I was crying on My tears were running down my face. I had the paper. I was reading it like so monotone and I was terrified. My legs were shaking. Mm. And my dad was sitting in the corner and he was just like giving me the death stare. Like you better do this. <laughs> and that was the first encounter I had with speaking and I hated it. But um, mom and dad, they would always like try to put me to speak and you know preach at different churches. And um, I guess little by little, I started to like it. I became comfortable within the uncomfortable. Um, and I realized, wow, you know what? This is pretty great. Like I get to connect with tons of different people at the same time. We get to have a conversation and a discussion. We get to discover more about God. And, and I, I always liked it, you know, but I never considered it, oh, this is what I'm going to do full time. My dream was to start my own company, you know, eventually um, have, have a running business, but it was never to become a full-time speaker until that camp happened. And that's when the calling came. And it was like, no, this is what I need you to do. This is what I want you to do. And it was as bright as day, you know, but before then, no, it was, it was always kind of like a, a side hobby, something that I would do, you know? Yeah. But it wasn't like a purpose. So yeah. Yeah. And for a lot of people, I, I've noticed that that also changes. And sometimes that makes people uncomfortable. Like, you know, when you, when you change even like a job title or position, a lot of people feel like they failed at something and therefore they're making another choice. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I, I just wanted to like get some more insight onto your specific journey because I, I think that's so interesting that you were resisting, but yet it was it was destined for you to do to do this work. So that's so interesting. It was so great to have you on and talk a little bit about your journey and have this conversation. So thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Again, I love what you're doing, and you know I look forward to continue to watch your content and. Uh, you know, continue to follow your journey as well. Great. Thank you so much, Rob. That was the end of another episode on the series of Purpose. This series continues all the way through Jan, so I'm super kicked about that. I hope that you had an amazing uh, Christmas holiday, and I just want to wish you in advance a very, very happy new year from Unplug and just hoping that the start of 2021 is prosperous and wonderful and that you tune back and continue listening into the podcast and showing your love and support. You can stay posted with everything Unplug with Annie on the IG page and Facebook page, which is called Unplug with Annie and obviously the website www.unplugwithannie.com. Until then, have a very, very, very happy new year.